To many people, the 1960s Batman starring Adam West and Burt Ward is the first instance in which the character appeared on screen. And while this version is arguably the most recognizable and influential version, it's actually not the first on-screen appearance of Batman, believe it or not. In 1943, Columbia Pictures released a 15-chapter serial in movie theaters at the height of World War II. This version was directed by Lambert Hillier and starred Lewis Wilson and Douglas Croft as Batman and Robin, respectively. Today, it's practically unknown, so I think that makes it a perfect topic for us to cover in today's episode of The Nostalgia Machine. Welcome to The Nostalgia Machine, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to rediscovering obscure pop culture artifacts. I'm your host, Josh Hernandez. Batman is undoubtedly one of my top favorite nerdy interests of all time, as well as one of my favorite superheroes. So, it's really no surprise I know about this version of Batman. The funny part, however, is that I discovered this version completely by accident when I was around 7 or 8 years old. During one of my trips to Toys R Us, I distinctly remember rummaging through the bargain bin and stumbling upon a VHS tape of this show. The gray dust cover had a still shot of Batman running out of a thick cloud of smoke. It was like unearthing the archaeological remains of a long-forgotten civilization. And just like an archaeological excavation, I only got an incomplete story. The VHS tape was only the second half of the 1943 Batman serial, so it had about eight episodes. It's been a very long time since my dad bought me this tape, and I honestly don't remember my reaction to seeing this black and white version with an unathletic Batman in a lumpy, goofy-looking costume. However, I do remember watching the tape semi-regularly, so I must have been okay with it, or at the very least it grew on me over time. I suppose I was easy to please as a kid, and for more than a decade, I settled for watching an incomplete story. Lucky for me, it was the half with the ending which helped. It wasn't until my mid-twenties that I randomly found a complete two-disc DVD version, again in the bargain bin, only this time at Walmart. Thus, I was finally able to watch the full story from start to finish after so many years. As mentioned at the start of this episode, this 15-episode serial was produced at the height of World War II. The first appearance of Batman in a comic book had only just occurred a mere four years earlier in 1939. As a result, the 1943 Batman is notable for containing anti-Japanese messages and overtly racist opinions and portrayals of the Japanese. In fact, the main villain is meant to be Japanese, but we'll look into that a little bit later. The 1943 version of Batman starred Lewis Wilson as Bruce Wayne and Batman. While his portrayal has fallen out of favor over the years, it's an interesting snapshot of the time. Here we have a barrel-chested Batman who's closer to what we would call a dad bod in modern times. Wilson's physique is distinctly unathletic, and he speaks with a high-pitched New England accent. I half expect this Batman to smoke a cigarette in the middle of an investigation. Robin is portrayed by Douglas Croft, who was only 16 at the time and remains the youngest actor to play the superhero. 
Carroll Nash played the villain Dr. Daka, who was an original character made for this series and does not appear in any comic book. Nash was actually a prolific actor with over 200 credits during the golden age of Hollywood and even had two Oscar nominations around the same time as Batman, one for his supporting role in the movie Sahara in 1943 and another nomination for A Medal for Benny in 1945. The American actor of Irish heritage, however, was clearly out of his element here playing a Japanese villain. Finally, the cast of the 1943 Batman featured the supporting roles of Shirley Patterson as Bruce Wayne's love interest, Linda Page, and British actor William Austin as Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred. The plot involves Batman and Robin as they fight against a ring of spies operating in Gotham City, led by the evil Dr. Daka, a secret agent of the Japanese imperial government. Dr. Daka, with the help of his American henchmen, orchestrates various criminal acts in order to build a powerful ray gun. Daka has already created a device that allows him to brainwash unwilling participants and create obedient zombies that he controls with a microphone via an electronic brain implant. Phew, that's quite the story, and it might sound original, except it's not. A year earlier, in 1942, Universal had released a movie serial called Gangbusters, which followed a somewhat similar plot involving an evil scientist called Dr. Mortis, who also ran a criminal ring from a secret hideout and also had a form of mind control on his henchmen. In any event, let's get back to Batman. While it's largely forgotten these days, the 1943 movie serial is actually notable for being the first to introduce several features that went on to become popular over time. For instance, this version was the first to introduce the Batcave, which was actually called the Bats Cave in the movie. It also introduced the Batcave's secret entrance through a grandfather clock inside Wayne Manor. We, of course, see more of this in the 1960s Batman TV show, but this is where it started. Also, prior to this version, the comic book portrayed the character of Alfred as an overweight, clean-shaven butler. However, William Austin, who played Alfred here, was a slim actor with a thin mustache. The movie serial proved to be so popular at the time that the comic book version of Alfred was changed to resemble Austin. This version of Alfred as a thin man with a pencil-thin mustache is the most recognizable. I don't think anyone even remembers Alfred ever being overweight. While the movie serial did introduce several new features to the mythos, it did exclude others due to its low budget. Most notably, they completely ignored the Batmobile. Instead, Alfred pretty much has to drive Batman around in a 1939 Cadillac Series 61 convertible. It's actually pretty funny seeing Batman hop into the back seat and yell at Alfred to follow some car while he and Robin change in the back. As I mentioned earlier, this version of Batman contained numerous racist opinions and portrayals of the Japanese. In the first episode, the narrator blatantly states, and I quote here folks, this is very inflammatory, quote, This was part of a foreign land transplanted bodily to America and known as Little Tokyo. Since a wise government rounded up the shifty-eyed Japs, it has become virtually a ghost street. End quote. Yeah, pretty messed up stuff. The weird thing is, I didn't remember this part at all from when I was a kid, and there's a reason for that. 
It turns out that the movie serial was first released on two VHS tapes in the late 1980s by Good Times Entertainment. This version was heavily modified to remove the racist dialogue. This is the version I owned as a kid. It wasn't until 2005 that Sony Pictures Home Entertainment re-released the movie serial in a two-disc DVD collection. This version restored all the racist dialogue. The show was re-released again in 2014 by Mill Creek Entertainment. This version contained the original 1943 Batman as well as the 1949 sequel, Batman and Robin. While I don't want the controversy to be the focus of this podcast or this episode, I will simply say that I agree with the restoration of the racist dialogue. On the one hand, it is highly controversial and hurtful. On the other hand, it is my personal opinion that this unedited version reflects the time in which it was created, and history should never be forgotten or swept under the rug. This is a snapshot of our history, and it should be preserved as such. The good parts and the ugly parts. The 1943 serial was popular enough to spawn a sequel six years later which was titled Batman and Robin. However, it was largely forgotten over the course of the next two decades. It wasn't until 1964 when Hugh Hefner screened all 15 chapters of the Batman serial at the Playboy Mansion that this version came back into the limelight. The event received so much attention from the press that Columbia Pictures re-released the unedited serial in theaters in 1965 as one long marathon, calling it An Evening with Batman and Robin. As it so happens, it was the popularity of this marathon that inspired a screenwriter by the name of Lorenzo Semple Jr., along with TV producers William Dozier and Howie Horowitz, to create the massively popular 1960s Batman starring Adam West and Burt Ward. As we all know, this show pretty much immortalized the character of Batman in the pop culture consciousness. I don't think the character would be as well known as he is now if it wasn't for the 60s show. But now, we know that the 60s show wouldn't have gotten off the ground if it wasn't for this little, rough-around-the-edges, low-budget movie serial from the 1940s. That being said, I really do hope this podcast has helped put this serial at the forefront of your mind. I also hope that you give it a shot. It's not the greatest, but it's worth seeing it if you're a fan of Batman or if you're into old movie history. That's all for this episode. As always, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at ringthemachine or email me at nostalgiamachinepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you've heard of this Batman or if you're going to check it out. Always love to hear from the listeners. And if you'd like to share a treasured childhood memory, feel free to send me a voice message to have it featured on a future episode. Just visit the show's anchor profile at anchor.fm forward slash nostalgia machine and click on the message button or follow the link in the episode description. The Nostalgia Machine, produced, written, and hosted by me, Josh Hernandez. Music credits, Synthwave by Ilgot. Miami Nights by Ben Bainey, licensed through premiumbeat.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Music